The Holy Gospel according to Matthew in the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and seized him by the throat. He said, Pay me what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. And then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. And then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. And let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and our minds this morning be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus had just finished talking about how important it is to forgive those who have hurt you. And Peter, who was getting his fill of this preoccupation with grace and mercy, asked Jesus, How often do I have to forgive someone who sins against me? How about seven times? Is that enough? And I understand Peter's frustration. Being merciful is certainly admirable, but aren't there limits? How many times do you have to be yelled at by someone at work? How many times do you have to be hurt by someone who's supposed to love you? And how many times do you have to endure the same failed expectations? How about seven Jesus is seven times enough? And Peter was actually being generous because the rabbis of his day said three times was plenty. But Jesus said, Peter, how about 77 times? It was as if to say, if you're counting the number of times you've forgiven, then you haven't forgiven. And then to illustrate the point, Jesus told a parable. A king discovered that one of his trusted civil servants owed him 10,000 talents. Now, a talent was a lot of money. It took the typical person 15 years to earn one of them. So you're in a heap of trouble by owing 10,000 talents. How much is that in our currency? Well, it's more than you are ever going to repay 
For perspective, if you made 45,000 a year, 10,000 talents would be nearly $8 million. Not million, sorry, billion dollars. And you have to ask, how did you get into that kind of debt? Clearly, you're in way over your head, and now the note is due. And worse, what you have done has broken the law, and now it's time for justice. Life as you have known it is over. Your house, cars, and everything you've worked so hard to get will be taken away. You're ruined. People will only speak your name in sad whispers, and you're going to prison for a long, long time. And so the servant fell on his knees before the king and begged for patience saying he would repay it all. But the king knew that that was ridiculous. There's no way it could be repaid. And so he decided to forgive the debt and to set the man free. And this is the scandal of the gospel. If you don't feel faint at this part of the parable, then you're not really paying attention. You owed God more than you can ever repay because you have sinned against God, but... Out of the depths of God's mercy, God forgave the debt and set you free. And this is where the discussion of forgiveness begins. Not with how merciful you have to be with those who hurt you, but with how merciful God has been with you. When you got down on your knees and begged God for mercy, God gave it. And not only did God forgive your debt, but God also forgot about it. In Psalm 103, David reminds us, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. As far as the east is from the west, so far the Lord removes our transgressions. And in Isaiah 43, God says, I I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Out of God's steadfast love, God has forgiven and forgotten all about your sins. Well, maybe God doesn't remember our confessed sin very well, but we sure do. This may, in fact, be the only thing we do better than God, remember sin. And some of us are so plagued by our guilt that we just keep confessing what God has already forgiven I think this has to be very confusing to heaven. If we could hear God's response, God would be saying, what are you talking about? I don't even remember that happening. I must have forgotten all about it. And if you keep confessing what God has already forgiven, if you keep rolling the guilt over and over in your mind, it means you haven't accepted the forgiveness. It means you keep thinking that if you work hard enough, you'll come up with the billions that you owe God. You'll fix the problem and repair the damage you've done to those you hurt in your sin. But the damage was to their hearts and to the heart of God. How are you going to fix that? You can't fix it. All you can do is accept the forgiveness and rejoice that God has forgotten all about it. And God did that because God would rather have a relationship with you than justice without you. On the cross, Jesus uttered the final words on your debt to God when he said, Father, forgive. That means paid in full. The debt is gone. And the only question is, will you accept it and begin your new life, or will you insist on managing your guilt on your own? 
As history has proven over and over, the only way to manage sin is with more sin, and that only increases your debt to God and thus your great guilt. But guilt isn't even the worst thing that happens to us when we do not accept God's mercy. The worst thing is that we do not become merciful. The best indicator of how much you have taken God's forgiveness to heart is in how you respond to those who need your mercy. And so the parable continues. The servant who was forgiven so much went out from the king's presence. Or we could say that he left church on Sunday after hearing the promise of God's forgiveness. And he found someone who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarius was worth about 19 cents. A hundred of them are worth less than $20. And the servant grabbed this man by the throat and demanded that he pay the 20 bucks. And the poor man didn't have it and begged for mercy. But the servant wouldn't hear of it and threw this man into debtor's prison. And when the king heard about this, he was so furious that he threw the ungrateful servant into prison where he remained. And then Jesus looked at Peter and the other disciples and said, So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. His point is that if you refuse to forgive another, that can only mean that you have refused to take to heart God's forgiveness of you. And that can only mean that you're still imprisoned and not free. Jesus knew what Peter had done and what he would do. Just as he knows how deep our debt is to God, and so it's unbelievable to him that we are wondering how many times we have to forgive others. Yet we persist in asking Peter's question because we persist in defining ourselves by our hurts. If we forgave, we would have to give up the hurt, and without the hurt, we wouldn't even know who we are anymore. If it wasn't for hurt, the daytime talk shows would go out of business. But the exhibitionism we see on television is only an extreme illustration of the more subtle tendency we all have in finding hurt at our core. Have you ever noticed that when you're ready for someone to really know you, the time comes to tell that person about your deepest hurts. Somebody did something wrong to you, you say. It may have been a parent, spouse, friend, or an employer. And even as you tell the story, you can feel the hurt as fresh as ever. And the hurt is usually accompanied by its twin, which is anger, and the anger digs at the hurt, refusing to allow it to heal. And when we tell these stories, we do not realize that wounds are not really as attractive as we think. No one finds a gaping wound all that appealing. But scars? Well, scars make a person rather interesting. Scars are wounds that no longer hurt because they've healed well. They heal only because we gave up the anger. And the only way to give up the anger at someone else is to forgive. Jesus' point in our text today is that you know how to do that. Just remember how God responded to the hurt you caused God and do likewise. 
We cannot call ourselves Christians or those who live in Christ and say that we do not know how to forgive. Now, this is not to say that you have to keep being hurt by someone or even that you need to stay in a relationship with the person who's abusing you. Definitely not. But it is to ask, aren't you tired of living a life defined by hurt? God is. Remember, as Isaiah 43 tells us, God forgave us for God's own sake. If we're learning how to forgive from God, that means that we do not offer mercy just to let the other person off the hook. We do it, too, for our own sakes. This is what Lewis Smith meant when he said, when you forgive, you set a prisoner free, and then you discover that prisoner was you. I know that there are awful atrocities committed in our world, that some people have suffered great hurts. And would that we were up all night with concern over the great injustices of hunger, poverty, violence, and racism, but we aren't. The reason we are up nights is because we're fantasizing about how to get our hands around the throat of the person who owes us 20 bucks. Even if your hurts are more substantial, even if your wound was caused by the person who took away your job or the person who walked out on you, the question persists. How long do you want to be wounded by that? How long do you want to be consumed with these personal debts while there is a world of great injustice waiting for you to address it with the powerful, steadfast love of God? Only mercy can defeat hatred and hurt. The great sin of our day is ingratitude. And it just makes us useless to the mission of God in our busy hustle to make certain that we are receiving all that is coming to us and in our manic compulsiveness to maintain our little justice ledgers. We've not taken the time to stop and give thanks for the mercy of God. And you cannot get off your knees from having heard that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven without being a changed person. The biggest change is that you're grateful. And grateful people find that giving mercy is not all that hard. In Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul tells us that forgiving others is essentially a form of gratitude. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Let us pray. O God of grace, if we are going to remember, let it be a holy memory of the cross of Christ, that we may be free to serve as tender-hearted priests, proclaiming your forgiveness to a world of hurt. Amen.